Hello to you, dear Doc. Hello, you're listening to the Documenteers, the podcast about documentaries, and I am that dude you always talk about movies with. Bob Sham is my name, and each week, a different enthusiast and I get into some hot doc talk and pass judgment upon said doc. And this week, this week's episode was supposed to be next week, but I moved it up because it's all the buzz right now, as it should be, and many, many are talking about it. Oh boy, this month was not as lighthearted as I had hoped. I think bathtubs over Broadway will be the only respite, a very rough subject. Akil and I recorded this episode in segments because we watched it over the two days it aired and recorded it right before and after we began and finished the episodes. Kind of rare that I'm doing this intro before we've actually finished the series. As you hear me from this point in time, we have yet to see part two. Talking, of course, about the controversial Dan Reed-directed HBO original two-part documentary series, Leaving Neverland. This series focuses on the testimony of Wade Robson and James Safechuck, both of whom tell an account of sexual abuse at the hands of one of the biggest pop stars of all time, Michael Jackson. Allegations against Michael are nothing new. The public has heard about them for decades, but since his death, it seems as though those allegations slipped back into whispers by the majority of people and media. Until now. This episode will drop only two weeks after this series airs, and it already feels like a bomb going off in this age of celebrity accountability that seems to affect everyone but the president. When you think of it like that, it all almost seems like a fleeting, illusionary trend. Don't have heroes, people. Or at least let's not glorify celebrities and politicians that pretend to be moral leaders. Let's look to our own communities and lift up those who maybe help us every day. But don't make millions and billions of dollars. Just maybe check that sex offenders registry for your local area before making that final conclusion. Next week will be the Dava Wizenot film Bathtubs Over Broadway with Angela and newest documentary Jeremy. It's a much needed break from the heavy topics we discussed this week and the last week of March. Late in this episode, Akil and I speak as though Abducted in Plain Sight is going to drop next week. But again, it's actually Bathtubs Over Broadway. The feel-good doc about industrial musicals, and it's just the kind of upbeat fun we need right now. But that will be next week. This week is Deep Deep Sadness. For some music credits in this show, you hear very brief cuts from Reby Jackson, a clip from Ben Arrow Michael Jackson, a snippet of a Prince guitar solo, that Pizza Underground band that Macaulay Culkin is in. Look that up if you don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm sure there's more I'm missing because we still got to record the last part of the show. I still need to decide what music I'm going to play for the episode transitions. It seems pretty inappropriate to play a lot of Michael Jackson for this episode. I'm gearing towards some sweet cuts from that album Corey Feldman put out a few years ago called Angelic to the Core. Uh, Two is the number two. Corey was a friend of Michael's who said he was never touched inappropriately by him, and I believe him. But that album he put out is very Michael Jackson inspired and is one of my favorite terrible things in the whole wide world. Maybe you remember when he was on the Today Show performing the song Go For It, the four is the number four, and was dancing around with MJ-inspired moves backed by women dressed as lingerie angels. I got a feeling it will be a shorties episode at some point. You know what? It's decided. The segment transitions in this episode will be Corey Feldman songs. I said it here, and so it will be. Let's move forward now into a film that is very stark and straightforward. I'll tell you right now that we do not go into the same amount of detail regarding the sexual abuse alleged in this 
but I do put in a couple of clips that establish the start of James and Wade's alleged sexual encounters with Michael. I say alleged because it's legally responsible, but I gotta say, their stories are very believable. Let's get it over with. Leaving Neverland by Dan Reed. Documenteerspodcast.com. Support us with five stars and nice things to say on iTunes. And keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. I think when I was with him, he was happy. He was at the peak of his creativity, and he was at the peak of his success. And everybody wanted to meet Michael or be with Michael. He was already larger than life. And then he likes you. pre-record before the episode let me i should pull up some information on the what we're gonna watch (laughs) you you really might not want to do it as we go into the movie yeah so yeah go ahead and get all of it out of your system get everything out yeah go again i I literally don't know if i'm ever gonna be able to do this again after watching it because i mean you know this has been part of my my stable yeah this has been in my pocket and it's impossible for me not to put in actual Michael Jackson clips as you do those on the show. So, <laughs> and when you hear it, the listeners may not know, probably can't find the difference between, but because it's peppered with real Michael sounds and you. And oh, like in like past stuff. Yeah, I and I, mean, I, can't, I can't tell when it's me because it's me. I sometimes, I, sometimes it's very hard to tell. I normally take that as a compliment, but now I'm like. Is that a good thing? (laughs) (laughs) We're very worried about this movie. We have not watched it. Uh, Yeah. Pre-record. I mean, I've already got my own thoughts about it, so. We know what it's about. Yeah. Sort of. We know the angle it's taking. The Jackson family, they have come out against it strongly. Oh, they've been hardcore in the news. They've said that this exploits Michael, and that's that's their job. Not the job of HBO. <laughs> right. They keep that shit in the family. If anyone's going to exploit the memory of Michael Jackson, it's going to be his money-hungry family. I bet you if they got a little bit of the cut, they'd they be probably, like, I don't know how much you know how much money there is. And there can't be a ton of money in documentary making, even if it's about Michael Jackson. Like, I can't imagine you don't get super rich from doing documentaries. I mean, some lawsuits are going to get thrown around, I believe. They already... Like, it's already happened. Yeah, they... I didn't hear the entire story, but apparently they are suing HBO based on a contract. A contract that was written years ago, like... When they did a live live, Michael concert. Yeah, concert on HBO. But did that concert ever go down? I don't remember there ever... Was it the Dangerous Tour? I think it may have been the Dangerous Tour. Was it that far back? I think so. Yeah, we're talking 87, something like that, 88. Wasn't he supposed to do some live concert thing and then died? Well, that was the This Is It. That was, they did that documentary about that. Yeah. But that, yeah, I mean, this was years ago. I mean, this was like a contract that was done back in the 80s or something, I think. So there's something in that, some clause in that contract, something about defaming his character or whatever. Like, I guess there was no end date on that as far as uh, they're concerned mm, i don't know i don't know all the legalities uh, of it but they're pulling out stops i mean they're not whatever they can do i mean it's not like 
obviously the documentary is still airing. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, it's just free publicity for the actual documentary itself. I mean, all HBO really has to do is throw up a thing that says, like, what is reflected in the film isn't necessarily the opinions of right. those in charge. Yeah. There are legal avenues to talk about yeah. this. But this movie is directed by Dan Reed, and it's got a lot of focus on the accusers of Michael Jackson. Two in particular, I believe. Yeah. Only one of whom I'm familiar with. Yeah, I heard one is a famous choreographer. Yeah, Wade Ange- Robson. Yeah, Angela knows about yeah, him. Yeah, he's... Uh, well, I, we probably know him from So You Think You Can Dance. Yeah. He's one of my favorite choreographers on that show, but I had no idea that he... You know, the years I've been watching that show, it wasn't probably until maybe two years ago that I found out that he was one of the original... I guess he may have been 21, 22 at the time when he testified yeah. um, in court back yeah. in the 90s. But yeah. And w- I don't know that much specifically about their stories. I know about the accusations. And I know some about. I remember like when Michael Jackson went on TV talking about like, and they looked at my penis and like oh, stuff yeah. like to remember that. That wasn't weird and creepy at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you this though. Michael admitted to like snuggling up in bed with kids that weren't his. He did not see anything wrong with it. Like, which is many will say is kind of that is par for the course. That is inappropriate. Yeah. Like he, but he couldn't understand why everyone thought that it was strange. I have a theory and it's the benefit of the doubt for Michael theory, because I do like a lot of music, but if I had to like bet my house on it, I wouldn't (laughs) like lean in on this theory. (laughs) But, it, but there was some rumors surrounded by an old doctor claiming that Joe Jackson, he and Joe Jackson, gave Michael medication that essentially chemically castrated him. I just recently heard, is that a new thing? I feel like I just heard about that. A few it's a ago. rumor, but it's like coming from his old doctor. He waited till Joe Jackson died before like talking about yeah. it. And that rumor kind of leads into my theory of that Michael was actually asexual. He just didn't connect truly with sexuality. Yeah, that's been a thing for a while. A lot. I I totally can believe it. And it does seem pretty believable. And maybe he did things inappropriate, but maybe he didn't connect them in a sexual way. But you don't have to, like, get erections to be a molester or anything like that. I mean, based on what I've heard, there was, I mean, there was full-on sexual things happening. So it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't just like, we're going to hang out and we're going to hold each other. It's important to say that he he was acquitted. Or, like, never truly charged in the end, right? No, he was charged, but he, but, like, he wasn't he never acquitted. found guilty. He wasn't acquitted. They came to a, what's the word, uh, when, settlement. When a lot of money gets thrown Yeah, around. exactly. Yeah. An undisclosed settlement with and, a gag order. And that shit could just be, and that shit's just more all about the parents making that decision. Right. And the victims, especially when they're young children, don't have a lot of say in those kind of scenarios. Yeah. But I always assume that Michael Jackson may be... A strong possibility that he was asexual and he was always like a child in a because he wanted to be Peter Pan. He was very much childlike. So he would admit on TV that he snuggled up with other people's children because it doesn't occur he to doesn't him. He doesn't make the connection yeah. at all. Like us and you were like, whoa. <laughs> it's like red flags going I mean, up Everybody's everywhere. like, whoa. But Michael, who's so insular. He just thinks that like, that's just what friends do like we have sleepovers he's in his own bubble he's surrounded by sycophants he's like what what's the big deal i'm convinced he was molested himself as a kid oh i I think think every jackson was probably molested (laughs) even reby even reby i played angela and brian the centipede video oh that's the best man (laughs) that song makes disturbing it makes no (laughs) sense clean hates that song whenever i walk it's so weird i just randomly go centipede 
and, and she loses her. But shit. Mike, you can hear Michael doing backing vocals on the hook. Yeah, just like in that Rockwell. Oh, that I mean, somebody's that he, song would not even be. You know what's an amazing about that Rockwell is the son of like Gordy Barry Gordy. Barry Gordy. Yeah. I was just called him Gordy Barry. <laughs> <laughs> that song's amazing because everyone forgets that that song sucks. Everyone remembers the hook. It's the hook. Man. And it's Mike, all about the hook. And the hook's great. Michael's on that yeah, hook. It's but, a great But what everyone hook. forgets <laughs> is the parts where Rockwell. When I'm in the shower, I'm afraid to wash my hair. Because I might open my eyes and find someone standing there. People call me on the phone. I'm trying to avoid the does, does he think he's rapping? I don't know. Like, it is the worst. I mean, he only got that. Right. That contract only because of who his dad was. I mean, did he do anything else? I mean, that's the only song that I can think of. That That's all I can think of. But sometimes you'll see people like, oh, I want to sing this song at this karaoke party because they only have that hook in their brain. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. it actually started. You could see, you could see about midway through, they're like, with oh, like this may have been a mistake. Wordy, <laughs> yeah. wordy nonsense. I lyrics. never realized there were other lyrics in the song. <laughs> I had to know how to sing. Just, and then they just stopped singing. Yeah, they, they just, just wait for the chorus. Sing. Yeah, they yeah. just wait for the. Yeah, yeah. But like I said, if I had to bet my house on that on that theory, I don't know. I mean, the fact that he now <laughs> Michael's always had like a loyal fan base all over the world. We can't deny his influence. We can't. I mean, deny there his are talent. most people are not going to believe this documentary i mean most people post a michael jackson death aren't going to believe this documentary before michael died he was like a late night joke yeah he was like this dude's always trying to be white every hack comedian had like a michael jackson's probably a molester joke i'm talking black and white comedians oh yeah and after michael died that shit like fell off so quick which is to be expected he was a he was culturally picked on like up until he died and then after that it's like he's always that's, that's what people do i mean he, when someone ever a famous person dies it doesn't matter i mean michael jackson there are two schools of people or i guess two generations well i guess three generations shit at this point when it comes to michael jackson mainly it's the first two it's the people my mom's age are you who remember when he was little michael like she went to go see the jackson five at municipal auditorium sure and then there's our generation Whitworth's Thriller. You're forgetting the Ben era. So four. The song's about a rap. What a weird... I love that song. It's a great song, but like the movie it's partnered with is just just strange. (laughs) It's very strange. I feel like Michael Jackson... Even though he was always the butt of a lot of jokes, people sure. still had mad, you know, respect for Mike and what he did. Like the music was yeah. the music. I think everyone likes a Michael Jackson song, at least, you know. Once you get deep into the nineties, I'm like, uh, what is this? Yeah, like, pretty much after Dangerous. Dangerous there where you can there's a few tracks yeah, yeah, you can pick yeah. off. From that point on, it was it was just I mean, I'm definitely a Quincy Jones era Michael. Yeah, I mean, I'm fan. off the wall. Yeah. That's yeah. like that's to me is that's the peak right there. But I mean, I'm talking like, I guess based on my own observations in American culture, the turnaround on this guy going from joke to it's always been larger than life, but it was like, let's not talk about the molesting thing anymore. Yeah, yeah. It, it at the very least was like that. I guess every community was projecting what they wanted Michael to be on the highest level right. of what they wanted. Yeah. I mean, it's a similar thing with R. Kelly. Like, yeah. This dude has been 
peeing on underage girls and sleeping with underage girl, age underage girls since the nineties. Yeah, everyone knows this, but yet people are still buying his music. Now you're finally starting to see a change in that. They took a long time it for took that a, change. I mean, we're twenty plus years. It took. We thought about doing that for this show, but it kind of just passed by, and yeah. it'll probably be way past it. Yeah. So everyone just knows it. Go watch Surviving R. Kelly. I think it's a lifetime show. But it's like you know, there's literally a video. Yeah, and people still. There's a new video. Have you heard? No. Of well, like him and a, like a, apparently some a 14 year old girl. I it's fucking horrible, but it, it's but yeah. I mean, this guy R. Kelly in particular is just yeah one of the have you biggest uh, scumbags ever. Did you ever watch Trapped in the Closet? No. Oh, oh. well, I mean, yes, I have. Yeah, of course. But white uh, hipsters are obsessed with are. Trapped in the Closet. Yeah. The Boondocks. Did or you watch the Boondocks? Yeah. Do you remember the R. Kelly episode? <laughs> yes. I mean, that's that says I it all, all that right shit. there. Like that's that's just a classic. Yeah. That twenty-two minute episode tells you everything you need to know about Black communities, community's response to all these R. Kelly allegations over the years. Yeah. It's like you know, I haven't dove deep in uh, R. Kelly. Like I haven't gotten into his music. Like I've gotten to the. And I think at this point, I'll just be like, uh, I can set it aside. But knowing what little I know about his music, like I know his style, and I would recognize, like I do think that guy's like got something. I know like three, maybe yeah. four R. Kelly songs, and and they're all from '97. Yeah, on back feeling like, on your booty. Everyone knows that one. I don't know that. Oh, is that the the booty? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I actually don't even know that song. I just feel like I know that song because yeah. my best friend used to parody that song all the time. But there are songs we like that he's written. He's got his hands like all in the. Yeah, R&B I forgot world. about that. Yeah. Like he's written a lot more, a lot of songs too. So I, it's easy for me to avoid R. Kelly at this point because I've never dove into his music. It was possible, but now that it's all this, it's like, well, I can avoid not supporting right. yeah. a multiple uh, sex trafficker, <laughs> child rapist. You know, but there's other that. things like you know, I was talking about this with some friends the other day. I believe that Roman Polanski is a piece of shit that should be in jail. Absolutely. I love the movie Chinatown. I fucking love that movie. Like, how does this measure out? I was just having this conversation with Angela yesterday. And, you know, it's like, I mean, with Bill Cosby, for me, that wasn't a big thing. Everyone grew up watching the Cosby show. I was never obsessed with the Cosby show. It wasn't like, oh, my God, the Cosby show is the best. I never felt like that. I was more of a different world cat. So for me, <laughs> why, why do you laugh at that? <laughs> a different world's a great show, man. Yeah, but people don't say that. <laughs> hey. But go on. But a kill fucking says Hell that. Hell yeah. Yeah. But, oh, uh, I'm more of a different world, man. <laughs> it spoke to me more than the Cosby show did. We tried was, to watch that recently. I was heading, I mean, I was looking at heading into college. Uh, yeah. Going yeah. to a black college on top of that. So for me, that was like a prep in my mind it was prepping me for, now the actual reality of it was pure utter disillusionment we but, tried to watch it recently it was rough man <laughs> it really was rough of course it's rough man <laughs> all that shit's rough from back then <laughs> that's one of, that's one of the things i love about it it's just so of the moment but anyway i, I love the cosby show growing yeah up. i mean no i totally loved it but it wasn't I probably had not watched a Cosby Cosby Show episode in probably 10, 13, I mean, a long time, at least a decade. So it wasn't a huge loss for me. Like It wasn't like I was making a sacrifice by saying, hey, you know, I don't think I'm going to watch the Cosby Show anymore after this whole Bill Cosby thing. It it wasn't a big deal. But Michael, that's a huge part of my landscape, like my whole childhood into what I was listening to earlier today. He's part of that. So that's going to, I mean, Thriller's still a great album. When I was in elementary school, 
Michael Jackson was everything. Kids were like trading Michael Jackson trading cards. Kids showing up with one glove on. I can't even convey to people, younger people who did not grow up. Yeah. And witness that. It was like nothing you have ever seen and, and will never see. I mean, the obsession that people have with him, people, the video footage, the concert footage of like tens of thousands of people with girls passing out and being carried over to paramedic tents, people crying and like having breakdowns. But the Cosby show is a good example. One that was very hard because I did like it a lot when I was a kid. Albums like, you know, like Fatherhood and himself. Yeah, I never listened to any of those things. Those were big to me. And I mean, I grew up in a very countrified redneck environment. You just get a lot of casual racism out in those environments. It's the and best then, kind of racism. And then you turn on NBC at night and there's this this black family who's who loves each other and they're all together and they're hilarious and they're contradicting One's a doctor, one's a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. And they're contradicting the racist notions that are around me. And not only are they contradicting that, but this black family on TV are doing a lot better than the white people <laughs> that are surrounding me. <laughs> so it's like, what are y'all talking about? But anyway. No, I totally, I mean, you know, I was there for all that and I totally get. I don't know if I can. That is something that is affected. Like if the Cosby show was on, I would not be able to think of anything but the fact that he's a rapist. Yeah. I mean, he he was playing the ultimate father, like understanding and funny and caring and full of wisdom. And, you know, then he did that whole uh, when he got really, really militant about black people, like pull your pants up, which I was totally on board with. I think he did go a little overboard sometimes, but I mean, I got where he was coming from. Dude, you were raping people. Every young black comic has to be lectured at by Bill Cosby at some point, <laughs> and he's going to tell you not to curse. And yeah, then, that shit I could, I, that, yeah. And especially in light that I was like, dude, you're a fucking rapist, <laughs> and you got off on sleeping women. That means you've probably fantasized about corpses because they don't move. Mm. You're pretty, you're like one degree away from a full on corpse fucker. We should make shirts. Bill Cosby, <laughs> one degree away from a corpse fucker. I would wear that. We're about to get into this Dan Reed thing called Leaving Neverland. It's going to be hard to laugh yeah. probably after we watch. You're right about that. And this is a docuseries, so part oh, one. Oh, Coming. Coming. Yeah, get it all out now. That's my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right, let's get into it. Part one of a two-part docuseries, Leaving Neverland. Leaving name. Neverland. That's the title. What? What do you mean? You couldn't remember? No, I knew it was something Neverland. I keep wanting to say Finding Neverland, but oh. obviously that is not. Like, like it's Nemo? Yeah, or no, that's Peter Pan, right? Yeah, Neverland. Yeah, Peter yeah. Pan. Neverland. Johnny Depp, finding, finding Neverland. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never saw it. Yeah, it's all right. All right, let's get into it. Let's do it. That day came into my life. I knew I'd have you as my wife. I knew that came with a prize. I didn't know that I'd be no man. I thought the one today was done. You gave the gift that was my son. I thought we were on our own. I didn't know that I was missing. I didn't know you was kissing. I didn't see the way you are spinning. On and on. And we're back after watching the two-hour part one of Dan Reed's Leaving Neverland. Did not realize it was going to be two hours. For some reason, I thought it was just going to be an hour. But it makes sense. It's a lot yeah. of information to digest. 
So we're get, looking at four solid hours. I want to remind the listeners that we're talking about this as it premieres. We sat down, right? But you showed up at the house. And also, sometimes Angela will watch documentaries with me, even though she's not doing an episode on them. She'll do that sometimes, maybe a third of the time. Most of the time, I'm watching documentaries alone. Very rare that everyone in my home is sitting around and That's watching. definitely a first. I've never, I mean, I think I'm trying to remember if there was... If she's watched one with us, I don't think she has. I, I can't. We did the we did the the nightmare movies that we just did that one. Yeah, she may have popped in for a little bit on that one, but that was a that was a straight four hours. Of course, I live with my wife. You're at my home, and we live with her brother Brian. Right. Even and the dogs or, were in there. The dogs even the dog, all the yeah. dogs were in there yeah, too. A couple Probably of cats. a couple of cats. Yeah. I think the last time all of us sat around to actually watch one of these was uh children of the stars which is about this california ufo cult i guess all the crazy <laughs> shit that they did was just just scintillating enough for the whole household to want to come watch it but they fell asleep during that one <laughs> this was must see tv yeah right? this, this was this yeah. was like i realized as we were watching this that you know you were talking about the stages of michael we're, this isn't the first time everyone's hearing these accusations accusations are 20 years old yeah as we mentioned before, he passed away and then he became very revered again. And I think we're about to go into another stage of this. As we were watching this, I was like, this is this thing is going to have a lot more ramifications. This is so disturbing. Yeah. The accounts that, I mean, there's this is like a, there's no turning back from this. This isn't just, you know, when it was the trial. No one was actually able to record anything from the trial. It was all it was a closed right. thing, so all you were getting was just sort of secondhand stuff from it was being filtered through reporters. The details you were getting, this is like this like cuts to the bone. And like you said, there's no like this is going to be a, a change in people's perception on a on a, on a level that was not uh, the previous time twenty years ago. Even I I don't think anyone has heard these stories in this way. And we talked to Wade Robson, the court who's gone on to become like a very successful choreographer and James Safechuck. These are the stories we hear. And James Safechuck, he was in a Pepsi commercial. Like you recognize these kids as we go through the era. Michael. And I think it's in particular Wade. He's like a little Australian kid who saw thriller freaked out about it and then his whole life was michael jackson and his start in dancing was emulating a lot of michael jackson and even going on eventually to join dance troops where he was the centerpiece of the dance it troupe. was like wade robson and and crew and some girls <laughs> right. who were probably very jealous of wade robson but he was good he was yeah. a very good dancer and he met michael when he went to tour Australia, he's from Brisbane. I, we got Australian listeners. I don't want to do the accent. Please don't. My impulse control is very weak. You're doing really good. I'm proud of you. Uh, yeah. I'm so far, I'm <laughs> Stay focused, up. man. Remember the subject matter. And he wins a contest. Five and he, years old. And he gets to go see Michael, and he meets Michael, and he talks to Michael. Has him up on stage yeah. the next night because they got him tickets for both performances. When Wade is telling this story leading up to meeting Michael before he's established, like starting to officially hang with him a lot, 
it's almost inspiring. A lot of people have heard about Leaving Neverland and know that it's about two of his accusers telling their story. Most people know that even before going into it. But even knowing where this is going. Yeah, I kept noticing myself being charmed. Fe- yeah, feeling like, wow, this is so this is just amazing, this story. And then I would snap this back to reality. His yeah. dream. And then I would snap back to reality and remember, oh, but this is going to a this really, is- really horrible place. Yeah. But yeah, you, you're right. It's and it and that just speaks to you know that feeds right into watching these parents who just allow their children to sleep over with Michael Jackson. In one case, literally after one day after just meeting him, and it just kind of speaks to the power of Michael Jackson during that time. Because now I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, are you out of your mind? Like, why would you? Yeah, you, you literally just would you just some random other person you just met less than 24 hours ago? Would you just? leave your child there for a week yeah. while you go travel to the Grand Canyon. But that was, I mean, it was Michael Jackson. Yeah. Everyone felt like they knew Michael Jackson because he was everywhere. He was in your house. If I was in these kids' situation and all Michael would have to do with my grandma or mother is just start throwing around money. And then my grandmother will be like helping me onto his bed. <laughs> wow. That seemed the kind of fucked up thing yeah, to say. Yeah, that... <laughs> we're going to have, we're, we're going to have a very hard time. <laughs> <laughs> talking about this first of all let's stylistically this movie is very straightforward yes actually it's a documentary series technically yeah it's very straightforward it's filtered through the stories of these two men their experience as a child and they're like around my age specifically oh I, yeah i mean that makes sense if you look at the timing on when all this think about that i mean i remember thriller because it was such a huge cultural thing a lot of these stories are the the bad, the bad era yeah that is like an explosion that's the point. formative years for me when yeah the, the music videos really took off that's and, what yeah. i remember the most was the bad era. yeah and i remember being in kindergarten and we're anticipating a video from bad premiering on tv i remember that as well it was directed by martin scorsese it was a huge event it was all anyone talked about at school and then the next day of course it was all anyone talked about there was a feeling of being a little let down by that video the next day like no one knew what to expect sure i remember seeing some magazine covers from like right on magazine uh which is like the black version of like tiger beat basically it was like a lot of hip hop people, R and B and stuff, and they were like, "What's Michael Jackson's new look for bad?" And it was literally an artist's interpretation of what they thought the look was gonna be. <laughs> yeah. And it was Michael Jackson with his shoulders, with his arms folded, wearing an Adidas jogging suit and a Kango with like a gold chain, because it was the whole thing was like he's bad. So they were thinking that that oh, was like what the look like. Run DMC or was, something. LL Cool J is basically yeah. what he really looked like. But uh, obviously, that was not. I don't know. That's a bad. Look. That's a bad prediction. <laughs> that just, is. A, just look at Michael's based on body the previous type. Track record. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna have his arms. Michael's not showing. His no, arms. no. <laughs> look how bad I am with my <laughs> stick arms. <laughs> the badassery that was projected onto Michael was mostly convincing to kids. Yes, and it worked. And have you have you ever seen the the interview um, with Prince about that video? No. Have you not seen that? So originally, the Wesley Snipes part was supposed to be played by Prince. Michael had been working really hard trying to get Prince on board. Prince, I could already see that not working. Yeah. Out. yeah. <laughs> so Prince gets the, uh, I guess he gets the script and, or he gets the, the, the lyrics to the song. He said the first lyric was, your butt is mine. And my thought was. I said, who going to sing that to whom? Because you sure ain't singing it to me. And I sure ain't singing it to you. Whose butt are you talking about? 
it's not my butt. <laughs> so he was like, nah, man, no, nah, nah, that's, that's not going to happen. I'm not going to, I'm not going to be that guy in your video. Wesley Snipes has Prince to thank for that. Wow. A little Hollywood lore there for you. Like people. Prince is just going to walk up, be second fiddle. I yeah, mean, no, no, this dude's like, fuck you to anybody. <laughs> have you, have you seen the George Harrison tribute video at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? If you haven't, please watch it. It's one of the most amazing performances I've ever seen. Uh, Steve Winwood on keyboards. I know we're getting way off topic right now. <laughs> I think in the case of this movie and what we're going to have to allude yeah, to. that's true. It's, I'm so Fair welcome point. to talk Fair about point. Prince right now. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Steve Winwood on keyboards. Um, Jeff Lynn, guitar. From Yellow. Yeah. Um, Tom Petty. So George Harrison's son, who looks exactly like George. Wait, Harrison. we're talking about the traveling Wilburys, basically with Steve, with Winwood. Steve Winwood, and it's it's a it's a tribute concert oh. to George Harrison. Thus, his son being on. Was stage. Bob Dylan there? No, Bob Dylan wasn't there at the beginning of the video. You know, they're playing "My Guitar Gently Weeps." It's not until about three minutes into the video you realize Prince is even on stage because he's been off to the side the entire time. I guess just kind of playing rhythm guitar or whatever, and then you see a little flash of purple. And then all of a sudden, he comes out like full center stage and goes on this guitar solo. It's one of the most amazing things I've ever seen oh, in my yeah, entire yeah. life. Like, it's just, people forget how good a guitarist Prince was, but... Yeah, and in other words, he is not playing second fiddle no. to Michael Jackson in Michael Jackson's video. That's the point I'm trying to make. A couple, two, three years before he died, Prince is on SNL doing like a six-minute guitar solo. Yeah, yeah. That's just Prince, man. Man, I miss that guy. Has Prince had any accusations out there? No, nothing. I mean... We may have to do some research. It wasn't no kids, no, at the very least. No. We're going to have to lean hard on Prince after <laughs> Don't fuck with my prince, man. Prince? I know he's weird. <laughs> that hurt me more, him dying, than when Michael Jackson died, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah. I mean, I liked Michael as anyone. Most people kind of like Michael. Yeah. But Prince... Mike hit his stride, but, like, mid-90s. From that point, it was just kind of downhill, I mean, musically. Michael was a good performer, singer, dancer. He had all of that. It's not the idea, dude. Well, even up to a certain point. If, if he that... had his control, he'd be like, can we talk about fairies? <laughs> and Quincy's like, Michael, just shut the fuck up and do the lyrics I wrote. Just, just do the lyrics, Michael. Michael. That, that's me doing an impression of your bad impression of Quincy Jones. Stop inserting Mickey Mouse in the goddamn song. <laughs> fucking freak <laughs> prince was an artist i mean he was yeah a musician's musician he controlled yeah yeah he was the quincy and the mike exactly yeah minus the pedophilia the deep <laughs> <laughs> we gotta stop in 30 minutes and it's not Come looking high water it's not it's looking it. good <laughs> folks you should watch this though because why not you i really mean should. i'll tell you what but though. prepare yourself because it, it's it's hard to sit through it, it was, is straightforward the lighting you'll notice that when it's interviewing it looks like everyone's in a comfortable environment the camera angles seem to be a little different for everyone we commented on we talked to wade's grandmother and it's like by her knees like 
up. But you can tell she's a tiny woman. She's like, very it, tiny. It makes sense when I mean, you really think about it. So, yeah. But it's all like room lighting, like lamps or natural lighting, you notice. It's not let's stick lights right, right in. It looks like the settings that they're being interviewed in. It's like they went out of their way to make them feel as comfortable as possible. And considering it sh- considering and what it, they are, they're talking about, that totally makes sense. And it shows. Yeah. And other than that, we get a, like a lot of imagery. We get a lot of footage of Neverland Ranch, which a lot of it seemed kind of recent. Yeah, it, most of it was recent, and, and I I don't know what the what the status of that place. I feel like someone bought it a few years back, and it looks yeah. like they've maintained it. Um, that's actually my first real look at Neverland because no one was really ever allowed to visit there with any kind of cameras or anything. So it's so, a huge place. I mean, I knew it was huge, but the aerial shots, holy crap! So we're hearing these stories, and like we said, we're being inspired by Wade's come up into this world that seems to be he actually looks like a talented young man he maybe needs to find his own identity which he does eventually. which he does he is successful unlike and, Corey feldman he eventually did find his own yes identity. Yeah. oh my god that Corey feldman Corey feldman who by the way says that michael never done anything to him and he claims that other people have i don't think i don't think he's like protecting or hiding anything Honestly, i, don't think yeah, I think do by that. the time that him and michael started hanging out he had already aged out based on what i've seen michael's preferred age yeah of kids so he was already a teenager wade and james they're like these suburban kids from their respect uh, wade's from brisbane Aus- brisbane brisbane australia i'm still not doing the accident <laughs> i want to and james is from Simi so valley right now James was like I said, he's in the like a Pepsi commercial. I remember that fucking commercial, yeah, yeah. where he's in Michael's dressing room, and then Michael's like, "Looking for me?" <laughs> Caught the first take of him seeing Michael Jackson in person for the first time. Very genuine. They connected very strongly, and Michael was in the lot, and not only in James's life, but with the whole family. Michael Jackson would go to this suburb in Simi Valley and have dinner with this family. We're talking about the biggest pop star on pl- on the planet. And that seemed to be his sort of, that was his thing. I mean, that was his standard operating procedure, I guess you could say, was really inserting himself into the family as yeah. like a member of the family, making everyone feel very protective of him. And-, and everyone was just mesmerized. They talked about how he and James would take walks at night. I mean, can you imagine... As a kid at that age, just having Michael Jackson just like hang out at your house, eat beef ravioli with you yeah. and your family and like watch TV. I mean, that just that's insane. To at me. that time, I would have been so fucking jealous of that kid. It's it's hard to wrap your head around. Because as much as I love Prince, Prince wasn't the person you thought about hanging out with when you were like eight years old. It's like if he the, wasn't that guy. <laughs> it's like if the Queen of England was just like, I want to lay upon your couch. And have your dogs crawl all over <laughs> me. I hope you don't mind. That's the trade-off for the no, not doing the Australian accent. I have to do the queen. Do Spit sport and all that. Oh, God. No. So James and Michael form a bond. And he is, like, going on tour with him and shit. He's staying in Michael's room. This is... James is telling this story, and the, and the family is being pushed further and further away, and they don't suspect anything because... Because it's Michael Jackson. Michael is supporting them in their adventures. If they need anything, Michael will provide. They even have, like, audio. These little silly interviews James would do with Michael. We're in the air on our way home from Hawaii. Thousands of feet in the air on this DC-10. 
I've had a wonderful time with Jimmy. Are you taping? Sure. Um, you can ask anything. How did you like Hawaii? What was your like best thing? My best thing about Hawaii? Being with you. How do you feel about um, performing and stuff? Do you like it? I love performing. It is the greatest thing in the world because um, I feel at home on stage. I could live on stage. I'm the most happiest when I'm on stage and when I'm with Jimmy Safechuck. But the best commercial of all the Pepsi commercials is the one that you and I did. And I'm not just saying that. That's the best one. Because it has heart. Every time I see it, it makes me smile. And I hope to be you all's friends for, for a long, forever, for a long time. Goodbye, signing off. And even like some phone call stuff yeah. going on. Isn't my voice better when? Yeah, I, I jumped up and I ran to the phone. Is my voice light off? Uh -huh. Which, first I thought, that's weird. But then I thought, no, it's not because it's the 80s and it's Michael Jackson. And if all of a sudden Michael Jackson is hanging out with your family, you're going to want as much yeah. proof of that as possible Absolutely. so you can show it to people. So there's like keeping faxes because apparently he's in a ton of faxes. Yeah. Uh, like a lot of faxes. Yeah. And he and Wade would also send a lot of. Yeah. And these stories, they almost they corroborate oh, a they lot totally, of ways. I mean, they run. They parallel one another. Yeah. It's, so we might get some things confused. But at the same time, even if we do, it's not going to be that far from incorrect. Because especially when we get into the sexual allegations, because, dude, I'm I don't know how to kind of I don't want to. It's so straightforward. They just straight up tell their story. Yeah, there's no bells and whistles. It's a very clinical. It doesn't re recount of what happened, and the the style of this doesn't even come off that exploitive. You hear the director kind of affirm things with like brief questions sometimes. It doesn't really feel exploitive. They look comfortable, yeah. and they're telling this story. And I got to say, I mean, a lot of people have a lot of opinions on whether or not Michael Jackson is guilty on this. I see no reason to doubt these kids. Oh, that motherfucker guilty. Yeah. He straight I up see guilty. no reason to doubt yeah. this, especially like... They get nothing out of this. Exactly. I mean, nothing. Exactly. Other than just exposing the most horrific experiences of their life to the world and now they can never take it back like it's it's out there now like yeah it's there's no way that he did not do this stuff well the grooming begins on these kids and also grooming their family to basically allow this to happen without knowing exactly what's it's happening really insidious i and, mean it's it's just and james describes forming a what is essentially like a sexual relationship with michael jackson in paris he introduced me to masturbation. And that's how it started. The timeline of this, and I'm just really guessing based on how it comes out, you know, Michael's on the bad tour and James is on that tour. Right. I, I don't know if he was on the Australian leg of it. And that was, we're talking 87, I think. Wade is in Australia, but... Like he, it takes some, it's a little while before he gets to America and starts to really link in with Michael. I feel like Wade's story doesn't really kick in, at least not after that initial meeting. Yeah. Maybe two years or three years or so after the, the whole thing with, with James. Yeah. yeah. It seems like the Jimmy stuff goes on. It's kind of runs its course to you. We don't get the full story yet. There's a part two. Yeah. 
And then the Wade stuff, the grooming there begins. The Wade stuff was really, I mean, it escalated really quickly. The first thing I remember is, is Michael sort of, you know, moving his hands um, across my legs. We're both um, clothed in PJs. And then his hands sort of got to, you know, my, my crotch area. With James, it was over a... a period of time before they started getting physical but he literally I mean, within the first time of him with wade coming to the states his family yeah. left him there for a week and then it was just all of a sudden they were doing something every single night and J yeah james describes it taking a long time to lead up to it yeah but then on the ranch he's discussing special rooms in certain places and this is a huge secluded piece of property he's talking about how there's a castle over there we'll go in there and yeah. oh there's a room with a bed in it he talks about like these things that Michael likes sexually. And then Wade tells his story about when he eventually gets to the States and how it starts to escalate faster. Michael sends his family, a whole family except Wade on a trip to go to the Grand Canyon and shit. That sexual encounter begins like within day two of yeah, a five yeah. day stretch. And, um, Oh, I know dude. it's you can never unhear this shit, man. It was so hard to listen to. I mean, just and they're similar. These stories are very, very, similar. very similar. Oh my god! Yeah, it was it was hard. It was rough to listen to that. I mean, and the thing I kept thinking about was because we the first story we hear is from James. Yeah, and everything about the build up to from the beginning, like the way he groomed him. Yeah. He had like he had his whole process in place, so that says to me that there are numerous kids well before mm -hmm. James where the same thing happened. Because I mean, it was this was something he, this was not new to him. He he knew exactly what he was doing, how to manipulate, and so like that's even that's disturbing. Just to think how many people are out there right now who have not come forward, and maybe they will after this thing airs. Who knows? I know there's more than two accusers from the past. Yeah, like a more than and we'll a probably get we'll get into that in, in the next episode. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's what they're building up to. I think because I think they're going to focus on the trial itself and the role. I don't know about James, but I do know that Wade Robson testified. Yeah, during that trial, that there was nothing going on between them. I think Michael didn't do anything with other celebrity kids because that's risky. Yeah. Yeah, it's super risky. These are kids in positions of power. Right. Wade and James, they're like suburbanite kids, starry-eyed kids. They're families who, you know, a bad medical thing or a car breaking down could, like, set them back quite right. a bit. Sexual predators and stuff, they have an instinct for vulnerability. And Michael could literally have just thought of Macaulay or Corey Feldman or Brett Barnes, who also says that Michael never did anything. And we see Brett Barnes in this film coming up as like someone who was replacing uh, James. And also James was getting older and he was becoming a teenager. Out, man. And yeah, he got pushed aside. I don't think there was any reason for Corey Feldman to lie. No, I don't know. Macaulay I believe was, him as far as his personal Yeah, experience. but I, I don't know. I mean, I hope it's not true, but I just feel like just Macaulay's age at that time, that in itself makes me wonder a little bit because, I mean, he was what, eight, nine years old at that time when Home Alone came yeah. out, maybe a little bit younger. Yeah. So that was sort of right up Michael's... I can't really believe we're even having this discussion about him having a type. Well, young boy. That's his type. At a certain certain age. But Macaulay was huge. 
He was huge. He was the biggest star. kid on the planet. So again, he was the biggest kid risking. star of that time. Yeah, yeah. Right after Home Alone, he was the biggest thing for a few years. Yeah. Macaulay, who I don't think he would lie about his experience too. Now he's walking around playing in a Velvet Underground cover band, but they've changed lyrics but to be about pizza. ridiculous <laughs> he's like he's like weird and i think if michael did do something to him and it was he would probably say something yeah, at least by this too. point yeah this other kid is what was his name brett Barnes. Where, i don't i'm not familiar with him yeah he's all. from australia melbourne i believe i'm not sure if he's also someone with a background of privilege or power or something we it was true we don't know much yeah. about this kid but i bet michael just really wanted to be macaulay's friend because he was like the biggest kid star yeah michael's the biggest pop star well, there was also emmanuel lewis that's right that's early on that's early, early on he used to walk around carrying him like a freaking baby yeah at hollywood events uh i'm sure Manuel. i mean if emmanuel lewis claimed nothing, anything no nothing happened his his mom sort of yeah put a stop to that shit well See, oh, that's what i'm telling you that's with macaulay too his yeah parents his dad he's like estranged with his dad now like they're they were up his ass oh yeah yeah i mean but that's uh I, we, we were joking earlier and i was saying how like my mom wouldn't if it if Michael Jackson had come to our house and been like, my mom would have been like, fuck no. I mean, you know, what if off Michael the wall was, is, is great, but no, my son's not spending the night with you, dude. What if uh, Michael's like, I just dropped this bag of cash. <laughs> no, she wouldn't. She actually, my mom was fortunately, God bless her, uh, prevented uh, me from being in a similar situation when I was a kid because she saw the signs of this guy yeah. that I had hung out with and she like squashed that shit. I mean, good mom. Immediately. So I got faith. I got faith that moms would not, you know, with the fame and the money. It's, that's good to know. I mean, I won't get into too much detail, but I didn't have like an extremely long scenario, but some shit happened to me and I told some people I cared about and they just tried to keep it quiet. Yeah. That's- Fortunately, it never <laughs> happened again, but I had some weird shit go down. Oh yeah. Me too. And it was like, a don't tell anyone. Yeah. I didn't tell anyone until I got older. Bless your mom. <laughs> Bless your mom. Yeah. Dude. I didn't get more than that, thankfully. Like, it didn't manage to. I think people got scared. Yeah. Because I was a kid that could, I would talk. I would fucking talk. <laughs> you fuck with me, I'm going to go tell people. And I think God, this person figured this shit out, like, real quick. You can't shame me, son. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it that, that way. that's true. And that's my quality up to adulthood. Yeah. You can't, you can't fucking shame, shame me. You can't fucking can't shame me. I will blow your shit up. <laughs> Especially if I think you're doing something wrong. Forget it. You're buried, man. <laughs> the most disturbing thing, well, there were a lot of disturbing things about this thing, but the part that hurt me the most, like broke my heart, was even at this point in these guys' lives, they still talk about this experience. You can sort of see they, they acknowledge that it was abuse, but mm. the way that it felt at yeah. the time was like they were in a relationship with someone. Yes. And that was his thing was he wasn't, it wasn't violent. It wasn't the scenario that you are accustomed to hearing when, you know, when someone is sexually molesting someone, it was by all accounts, a quote unquote loving, 
I can't believe I'm framing it this way, but like a they loving, felt loving, like they were in a relationship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even was it a change where they did the wedding ceremony? Yeah, which that oh my god, seriously, Th- that scenario is actually it's that's often how it plays out, and I mean, kids don't know, and when like predatory adults like this move in on these kids, they can kind of like hijack those emotions and feelings that kids should be reserving right. for a later time. Yeah. And so it can just be like a sudden surge. I mean, when something like that happens to you, it is completely possible, especially with a young person that they don't understand the notion of whether or not it would be wrong. Right. And that's what makes it so fucking wrong. Especially you know? when, especially when it's happening with someone who you just inherently trust because of their ever presence in your life. I mean, again, this is Michael Jackson, biggest star on the planet at that time. The fact that he could just, he's the only person I can think of at that time, or really even now who could just insert himself into a family's life the way that he did. And no one even think about the fact that like, Oh, he's spending a lot of time with my five-year-old son. And yeah, you know what? It's fine that I can't, ever i haven't seen my son or heard from him in days and that they sleep together every night and they looked just, at michael like he was another child yeah, exactly yeah you and that's how he that a lot you kept hearing that a lot so they yeah he projected this this innocence thing that made them feel like you know he's just another son that i need to take care of and look after therefore they felt comfortable leaving him with their actual son because they looked at them as being sort of in the same age range i mean it's just it's a couple of a couple of sad, super sad things I want to touch on, and then we'll we'll stop for this part. Uh, talk about uh, James and the rings, man. So he brings this box of rings out, and apparently uh, he had a he loved jewelry as a kid, and so Michael would reward him after you know I guess a good night of lovemaking uh, with jewelry, and he pulls this box out. And he I guess he's kept these rings, which we can talk about that later. That seemed a little strange to me that he's still holding on to these rings when they obviously cause such mental and tr- emotional trauma for him. His, like hands, his hands are, are shaking. Totally shaking. And he's talking about, he's pulling these rings out and he's talking about basically sort of what he had to do to get these rings. And he pulls out the wedding ring. They did the ceremony just themselves in the bedroom. It's like, it's a wedding ring that's size for a little kid. And he kind of puts it on the tip of his finger and he can't fit it anymore. I mean, it's just... It's that was a hard one. Yeah, yeah. Now uh, the, another heavy part, and this part hit me pretty good, was after Wade had gone back to Australia, he'd already been sexually groomed by Michael at this point. In contact a lot, talked about being. These boys talked about talking to Michael on the phone for like five to seven hours Which at a time. Ins- that's crazy pants. If a phone is up to my ear for longer than a minute, I get super anxious. It's like <laughs> weird. I, even when I was a kid, I would have been like, Michael. Just get I mean, I had long conversations with girlfriends during that time, you know, maybe an hour and a half. Yeah. You know, tops. But eventually your parents are like, get the fuck off the phone. Yeah. yeah. We didn't have our own separate phone lines. So it's like you're tying up the phone. Did no one think that it was odd that their child was talking to a 32 year old man on the phone for five to seven hours a day? Like, you know, I think everyone thought it was odd, but no one thought it was odd in the way it really was yeah because again it's michael with the innocence of a child and he can only connect with children because and how much you want to check out for yeah there's that too they really talk too much about that i don't know there's any actual 
payment happening. I mean, things are being paid for. Yes, yeah. The the descriptions of the sexual activity in this movie are explicit and straightforward. You like learn about what Michael likes sexually, which I could have gone my entire life without ever yeah. knowing. We're not going to get into that. No, uh, you can listen. You can go watch this movie and hear their very convincing stories for yourselves. Um, I, and just because I don't want to talk about that shit, I don't want. I'm thinking. Of, I'm already thinking about. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, I appreciate that. HBO's talking about it. Go <laughs> turn it on fucking <laughs> HBO. But Wade, his parents' marriage is falling apart. His dad has been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And his mom is being groomed by Michael to convince her to bring Wade to him. And at first wants him there for like a year to help him with his dance career. But then she's at least like, no, you can't do that. The first smart thing yeah. that I've heard yeah. that woman say. I mean, and, and, and But eventually it gets to the point where he convinces her to come with him, to come and live with them, and they can all kind of work together. So Michael can't have him to himself for a whole year, but he can get like a few days or two at a time with him working out this scenario. But the thing is, dad is losing his mind. Mom is like leaving this bailing on this marriage hard. And this family is collapsing. And she has three kids. She takes Wade and the daughter. And the oldest son, like, is essentially watching his mom, like, be like, see ya. Yeah. Gonna go make some money. Um, Sorry, your dad's losing his mind right now. And and so this oldest son, and you see him break down. And this is Michael. This is Michael creating this scenario. Whether or not you want to um, analyze or say that maybe the sexual contact stuff didn't happen... This scenario is verified and can be proven exactly. that he actually did wreck this family and completely fucked this poor dude up who watched his mom like walk away. I was just, I just knew that that was going to end with him committing suicide. Like I, I, it felt like that's the way that story was about to pan out. Well, the dad's um, not around. Maybe we'll know more yeah, next I guess episode. We'll, yeah, I guess we'll find out. And so well, Wade ends up going to la but they don't see michael for a minute at first so they're living in a in like this apartment it's like a hotel apartment yeah for people who got to go hang out at the neverland ranch for weeks at a time it's surprisingly low rent and they're having to like fedangle their money and provide a credit card until until (laughs) michael can come and like do something there does continue to be that relationship between michael and wade but it becomes more scattered and spread out because at that time, when Wade goes back to L.A. to live, Macaulay's in the picture, and he's being super buddies with Macaulay. And then the other kid, um, yeah, I can't remember. I already forgot the yeah, kid's name. I keep want to say Brett Butler. I know who that is. And he's, so. a, and he's around when Jimmy starts to get older. You're starting to see the crossover happening now with these guys. Now, the mother was resourceful enough because Wade was talented to just kind of like try to make things happen on their own and not wait for Michael to show up. So good move on their part, but they're starting to get faded out of Michael's life. Towards the end of this show, you start to see Michael with like a lot of kids holding their hand, putting his arms around them. You don't see their parents, like different varieties of kids. And it's said that he seems to be having these burning through these childhood friendships every few months and then moving on to a different childhood. Yeah. And he tells James that, you know, it seems like James may be at least this could be wrong because we're only really talking to two people. Yeah. But just from what I can see, it's it, it felt like James was sort of 
a long term. Like they were together for like for, a, few for years. a few years. And he starts to tell him, you know, you're going to start seeing other other boys. You know, don't think that I don't love you. I still love you. Um, just basically telling him that, you know, I'm going to have some other people over. We're going to hang out. And we're going to yeah. do our thing. But you're and, still my boo. And he, he realized this was permanently done when he and the other kid were like hanging out in Michael's bedroom. And he like cried himself to sleep on a couch downstairs. Yeah. And he knew at that point that it was, it, he basically was going through the experience of a breakup, but it's fucked up because he's like 11, 12 years old. Yeah. Now you want to talk about these parents and then we'll. Yeah. So just real quick. Yeah. I understand the celebrity of Michael, the power of MJ back in the eighties. I totally get all that. But the biggest problem I had was present day as they're talking to particularly James's mom. I don't get the sense that I don't see like any regret on her. Hmm. face hmm. it doesn't seem to come through she's just sort of recounting she and the way she's describing it she's describing it as if all this amazing stuff happened without all the shit that was the end result of it she's still looking at it as you know we met michael and he would come over to our house and it was just it's amazing and you know we were you know we were like his family and and i'm i'm waiting to see a I little think, more. I think we'll get there. I hope. I hope so. I think we will. I don't want to think of. You know. I mean, a lot of parents just. I can't imagine she would do this documentary if she hadn't come to terms with the taking some accountability for what she allowed to happen. But I'm just not really. I'm not getting that from her. Michael was so capable and so resourceful to allow these emotional peaks. Like even in light of what all he's done, all these people can probably still look into the past and be like. Man, we played with that fucking giraffe. Yeah. That was fucking dope. And oh my God, we were on the set of this movie. Holy fuck, I met Stevie Wonder and Steven Spielberg. Got to go to the Temple of Doom yeah. movie set. Fucking Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones himself, hands me his whip, says you can keep it. And we even went to the set of the Indiana Jones movie. And um, Harrison Ford took me outside and and showed me how to use his his bullwhip and then he gave me the bullwhip i was obsessed with indiana jones when i was a kid oh yeah you and me both <laughs> if that happened to me i'd like i would have just stood there pissing my pants crying <laughs> they would have had to like drag me off the set i would have been begging harrison Ford to be my dad and he'd be like i'm trying to hit this joint please kid <laughs> i rolled up just give me some space. I rolled up this hog's leg, <laughs> and you're really bringing the mood down. I can't be your daddy. I'm sorry. But that's fucking part one of this shit show, and um, it's disturbing as hell, but I'm actually still very curious about part two. Yeah, same here. I got to say, we got we got to pick something more lighthearted next go around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, happening tomorrow night at the same time, but to the listeners, you'll just hear uh, the next part in just a matter of a second. Yeah, it's like time travel. You lucky fuck. Staring out the window, caught inside a dream. Ignorance is blissful. I'm feeling quite serene. Cause I choose to ignore the suffering I'm brought. Doesn't mean it's not happening. Just means to turn it off. And I can't stop. Yeah, <laughs> it's Applehead. Um, 
I was wondering maybe sometime tomorrow night we could see a movie. Be really nice. So I'll call you tomorrow, Ray. I'll, I'll sleep in tomorrow and then we maybe can do something. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye, little one. Kill. Bobby. We just finished uh, part two, the last part of Leaving Neverland by Dan Reed. Now, we got past the explicit descriptions of most sexual acts. Thank God for that. And now we're in the human emotional fallout. Which, honestly, was worse. I didn't think I would actually feel that way, but... It really was, because... After we watched this, we had to talk about like Captain Marvel for five minutes. Yeah, we needed a buffer conversation. Something, something, some pop culture dumb shit so that we and can. And about like, our cats. And cats, yeah. Yeah, yeah but, we're cat people. In the first part of our episode here, because as I stated, we're watching this shit. In the first part, we're open to believing the stories that are coming, but we're still like loose about it. And we're still like making Michael Jackson sounds and shit. Yeah. The second part, it's all like hitting us. You know, and it's like, ugh, ugh, and we're super uncomfortable. And now it's just like... And to be fair, I mean, we're in agreement. I would, We never really, I think, outright said it. Maybe we did. But we going in, we were both, oh, yeah, he's guilty. Like, we, we yeah. both knew that was... I definitely needed the information and the details that we got. Absolutely, yes. Because I'm aware of the accusations, not a lot of the details, or the context of the details. Part two explains how that context is laid out. I knew we were going to get into the initial public allegations. And I thought maybe Wade and James were somehow involved in the allegations at that time. No, they actually never did not come forward until after he had died. I knew going in that both of them had been called to testify. And well, particularly Wade. I didn't really know that much about James, about James yet. Uh, but Wade, I knew that he had actually been called to come forth to testify on Michael's behalf both times around, which he did very convincingly. Their stories didn't come out until well after Michael had passed to their families and later wives. And and that makes it more convincing to me. Like it cements it. It seems a lot more true in that way, especially because Wade had always been there at every step of the way. And then eventually would come to tell this story that he's telling in the movie. Yeah. I got to imagine that, had he, I mean, I think if he was still alive, I don't know that they would have ever been able to get to that point yet. I think the fact that he had passed away gave them some time and some distance away from him, literally. Yeah. Where he's not, there's no possibility of him coming back into their life again unexpectedly, which seemed to be sort of a theme with him. Yeah. Over the years that they we might have never really known. There's also a story that we'll never know, and you touched base on this, and I, even without knowing for sure, I totally 100% agree with you. There's no doubt Michael Jackson was abused when he was a child. Yeah. No fucking doubt. So that's like a story that we'll never know. It certainly doesn't justify anything that came after, but you can't, you know, there's definitely physical and uh, and emotional abuse. I mean, that's pretty much verified. He spent so much of his life hiding things and you know, lying about me. his whole entire life was just built around deception. Yeah. Um, some of it from a standpoint of obviously not wanting people to know the horrible things he was doing behind closed doors with children. Right. But then also just part of his persona throughout his career was creating this atmosphere of, you know, mystery around him and not knowing what was true. He would purposely put out things 
yeah. in the media that you know to get people you know stuff in the tabloids to get like the whole thing with the the elephant man skeleton sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber all that came from him i mean none of the stuff was you know it wasn't he liked to make it pretend like them they were out to get him with all these lies but he was the one who was perpetuating him so we'll never really know i mean he's gone now so and he was so secretive and as far as the people he kept around him it's hard to be a child molester yeah. When you have people around you all the time. So, you know, that distance he created with others. He also carried that distance on with his victims and how they repressed themselves and their lives. We get into this part two with the initial accuser that we all know, Jordy. When Wade was getting older, he's becoming a teenager. And he said that this Jordy kid was Michael's new number one at that time. And not long after we really are introduced to Jordy, does it come out that that charges have been brought up to Michael for sexually abusing Jordy? To make a long story short, we all kind of know that's like the era of that, the accusation that most of us are the most aware of. This is the 90s one, right? This is the first. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Michael, who's growing more distant with Wade, though there is still sexual abuse going with Wade. James is a little older. He's reaching out to them to kind of coach them into being on his side because. He's groomed them. They do love him. And that's exactly how he wanted that to be. And they would go and they would testify on his behalf in this trial. But Michael would later settle for $10 million. And depending on what side you fall on, it pretty much looks like what you'd want it to be. Right. Depending on that yeah, side. Either you're thinking that, well, why would someone who was guilty or who was innocent, you know, who wouldn't want to fight to the bitter end? To prove that you know they didn't do this horrible thing why would they ever settle or you know or, this was obviously just about money there's no amount of money yeah, they that got the their parent could take yeah. to you know to not see that through and have the person that abused their child you know called to justice so yeah it's it's whatever side you fall on so as w wade was getting older at a very young age was starting to choreograph he was choreographing like dance studios before he turned an adult. Yeah. I mean, they brought him in and, you know, he became obviously the, the number one at the studio. And then by the time he was in his mid teens, he was teaching classes. He would talk about how Michael trying to avoid all these allegations. He would still occasionally be alone with Michael and they would still do terrible, terrible things that we right. don't want to talk about. Yeah. But as he got older, it would fade back. Wade got busy with his career off the bat. And I guess his mom was like like a Hollywood mom. Like, Absolutely. Get out there, get out there, get yeah. out there. But by the time he's 19, Wade is choreographing tours and shit for NSYNC and Britney Spears. And that's... That's insane. I mean, that's crazy pants. That's like, fucking unreal. He can't even drink yet. <laughs> and you know this, no one bothered to teach this kid algebra. No one just decided. Well, <laughs> I had to try to learn that shit. <laughs> it really makes you think about how difficult... From obviously they both had similar experiences, but then their lives sort of take a different path. But Wade in particular, I mean, he literally has this horrible thing that happened to him. The end result of that happening to him, the, another part of that is that it gave him what he needed to become who he is as far as his professional career. Like he would have never, I don't see him becoming what he did without making that connect with Michael Jackson. Right. And so you, I can't imagine what that's like for him to be equal parts grateful for I, the opportunity, but at the same time, 
Uh, yeah, you know, I, I mean, mean I, that was extremely eloquent the way I put that, but I think the the idea was conveyed. <laughs> he was a natural talent, but like we see natural talent all the time, and often unless that's refined and focused, I mean, yeah, I mean, he was a natural talent in Australia. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he would have never. The odds of him coming to the states in the way that he did were probably have never happened. Yeah, the dance troops he was in as a kid were just like, oh, he dances like Michael Jackson, so let's just build everything yeah. around him doing the same thing over and over yeah. again. But he moved to L.A. and the doors and, opened yeah. up. So that I, I mean, that's just how do you get past that? You yeah. know, how do you reconcile that? You know, you you're grateful to this person who yeah did horrible things to you that have fucked you up i mean and you deserve it based upon the merits of your own hard work and talent yeah but i'm not trying to take anything away from no no god no i'm a huge wade robson fan i mean it's yeah his there's obviously something like exceptional about what he brings and you watch him dance a lot as a kid and as an adult and and every time you see him dance you're like damn this dude could really move did you notice how his sister and he when they were at a certain age in their teenage years they had that co-op to black culture voice going yeah, on. Yeah. Last night, this girl, who says she and her brother have spent lots of time with Jackson, talked to station KNBC in Los Angeles, denouncing the allegations of child molestation. I think it's sick personally because Michael loves little kids. You know, I've known Michael since I was 10. Mm-hmm. He's never done anything to me. He's never done anything to my brother. I know Michael very well. I know he wouldn't do anything like that. Yeah. He was wearing super baggy clothes and doing a lot of hip hop dancing at a time where it wasn't as prevalent as it is right now. Yeah, I mean he I mean I guess he in a sense is sort of responsible. I mean, if he was the choreographer for NSYNC, they were really the five white kids that super made pop you know, popularized hip hop dancing that's true across the board, you know, as, as far as crossover is concerned. We're watching this with Angela and she's like, Oh, that's why Justin Timberlake yeah. is like Michael Jackson. That was just because Wade Robson taught him that, which totally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, the horrible things that happened to him also coincided with the amazing things that happened to him. But the testament to him as a person is that he put in the work. Yeah. I mean, he could have easily fallen apart, which, you know, you can see happening. And he paid an emotional price oh, as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So any notion that he didn't earn it, like I, no one's making this claim. No, no. I, I feel like we're defending ourselves for an argument. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yet. We're like we're totally on this guy's <laughs> side. I feel like I'm now a fan of his, <laughs> whereas before I didn't really know who he was. To be totally honest. I could show you some awesome routines he did on so you think you can dance. Cool later. An- another way to cheer ourselves. There up. you go. Yeah, yeah. Angela and Brian watch every fucking dance and song show. It's like they all blend blend together for me. <laughs> so you think you can dance? That's it for me. That's yeah, the that's the that's the big one for them as well. I, that one's fine, I guess. I don't do dance. I feel like stars. they're all dancing to that the same five songs like. Say something, I'm giving <laughs> up on you. So that's your contemporary style choreography. Yeah, I, I totally recognize what you're talking about. Yeah, it's like I feel like I've heard that song 20 times on that show. Because there's three seasons of that a year. <laughs> Say something, I'm giving up on you. I love it you. so much. Uh, well, they get older. They're still friends with Michael, but it's a little loose. And Wade's more famous. I feel like he has a little more connection than James does due to... Oh, he talks about how Michael 
is calling him and asking him about Britney Spears all the time and about his dating life, which he thought was just fucking weird. Yeah, I equally found that to be weird. But both of these young men would move on and meet their future wives. uh, uh, James was in this band called Sky Boner, Skybox, or something. Sky something. Skyborn. (laughs) Like a a Smashing Pumpkins band. Sky Radio. Yeah. We like you, James. That band didn't seem that great. But... (laughs) You're young, and that's how he met his wife and stuff. But he was having problems. I think Wade was able to hold it down and at least be distracted for a while due to his very busy career. Right. But James started, like, experiencing extreme depression. And his wife at the time didn't really – They just he just he she just thought it was like a personality quirk of his. It's, it seemed like that was maybe her – that was both of their own – their first real relationship, you know, living with someone yeah. – you know, if it's your, you have nothing to compare it to, she said that she's a very outgoing person, and so she knew that he wasn't, and so she just assumed that that was how people who aren't outgoing act, which is not a ridiculous reaction to have. But no, he was dealing with the ramifications of what he had been through as as a young child, which he had for a while. He had been sort of suppressing by you know substance abuse, yes, uh, and then which it, would come in cycles like yeah, throughout. Yeah. I totally forgot. I, I I have a vague recollection. I mean, I'm like leaving college at this point and like pretty much, I think at the point of this, the accusations by the child, Gavin, there's this kid, his name is Gavin. And around 2005, he accuses Michael of molestation. And you see a very, very uh, discomforting video uh, of him being talked to by social workers or like police or whoever. And this is the kid who was part of, the make a wish he had had cancer yeah he had cancer i'm wondering if he's still alive but yes that's how he met michael i hope he's still alive because i'm about to find as if being a pedophile is not horrible enough then you bring in a kid who's battling cancer yeah it's his make a wish wish as if it couldn't be worse it somehow it's yeah he manages to take it to the next level ah man this shit's going to sit with me for a long time. Uh, I believe he is still alive. Yeah, well, so that's good news at yeah. the very least. I, mean, cause, I can't remember the other, the one from the 90s. Uh, that was Jordan. I can't remember his last name, but Michael starts again calling James and Wade and connecting with them again and coaching them again and basically making like this whole scenario is like they're all in this together they'd still a part of them still deeply cared for Michael and Wade was talking about how scared he was to imagine Michael in prison because as you could imagine it would not work out very well for him if that were the case and so Wade um and his family and his mom is like as much a supporter of Michael's as ever they go in and they testify on his behalf Along with Macaulay Culkin. And she actually guilt trips Wade yeah. into doing it, which Wade, is so fucked up. I mean, she had no idea. She was like, "He, we owe him so much. If, if he really did nothing to you, then you should defend him. Meanwhile, James is talking to his mom. She's kind of doing the same thing. And his dad is totally in Michael's pocket. He like loves Michael. And then at one point, Wade's like, or James, excuse me. Is like, mom, he's an evil man. Yeah. And he doesn't go into the details of what happened. But she gets the gist. But she gets it and she understands it. And so they avoid 
James tells Michael essentially that he doesn't want to do that. And his mom's not going to do this. And his dad's not going to testify on his behalf. And he talks about how pissed Michael was and how Michael's threatening him with lawyers. And then when that doesn't work, then he shifts to, no, I'm so sorry. I haven't been there for you the past few years with your directing thing, because he had been, yeah, when he was a teenager, he was, you know, giving him access to do, you know, directorial projects, short films, that kind of stuff. Also suppressing formal education. Yeah. In order to like, like dependent on him. Yes. You don't need math. Yeah. You don't, you don't need school. You just, I, I'll take care of you. Don't That's, worry about this. And convince his parents to let him drop out of school. So I can imagine when his mom heard that, how all of that flashed before. Her mom. Yeah. Yeah. So James like fades back. They don't go out and tell. But everyone in that family knows, like, something's wrong. And if they did come out and tell, they could get the fuck sued out of them. Yeah. I mean, Michael Jackson does have scary lawyers, as he told James on the phone. But Wade, he still, he talks about the guilt he feels lying on behalf of him. But he never repressed his memories. These aren't repressed memories. These boys have remembered this. It's at the top of their minds their whole lives. It's just that in their minds because he's not a you know the a stereotypical violent molester he builds a relationship and he makes them feel like they're in a relationship with him and he plays on that and so they never they don't see it as abuse still at that point that they still have feelings for him and it's interesting that both of them after the births of their their children that's when they started to see things differently because how can you not when your child is now approaching the age that you were when the abuse started particularly with ray with uh, wade because his started when he was really young i mean super young wasn't he like six or seven or seven something when it started seven, yeah and i think james was maybe not much older but just came a little before yeah. wade so it makes you look at what you've considered a relationship Mm-hmm. completely differently now in that case michael is found not guilty by and we see like the jury on tv we were like why are they fucking going on tv they just want to be on tv we just couldn't uh, buy the story of the mother for one i disliked it intensely when she snapped her fingers at us that's when i thought don't snap your fingers at me lady <laughs> when they pick juries if you sound too like with it you're not going to oh, get on that jury. You, no. <laughs> the people who are getting picked are the people who are perceived to be easy to manipulate by either the prosecution or the defense. Right. Justice system. We should never be surprised when they when juries trot out after a trial and they like say a bunch of dumb bullshit. I've always been bothered by the term jury of your peers. Yeah. I'm like, no, those those people aren't my peers. <laughs> a lot of I would pe- never hang out with these people. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it's a very broad and they very very, it's a very broad, broad. that we all breathe and walk up. Well, I was about to say walk upright, but it's another nice questionable. But we hear one juror, and he essentially says, if I'm not mistaken, he believes he mol- Michael molested kids. He just doesn't believe he molested Gavin. Right. I don't know. I I wish I'd get on a jury, man. They would never put you on just, a jury. Justice is on. If you I get rigged the system, you're going to try to play it. I'm going to play dumb as fuck. You can't play too dumb, though. Duh. They don't want too dumb. What is law, your honor? <laughs> what is my name? Spell my name wrong. Bob not understand. The defense is like, we need this guy. <laughs> but that case is done. And I, I, and I do recall that not guilty verdict seeming to seal 
a lot. Yeah, we talked. We talked about how after he died, it seemed like a lot of that got buried. But as I recall, looking back through the mist of booze during those days that I was in, <laughs> that yeah, a lot of people kind of moved on from this. That seemed to be the nail on the coffin. Any doubts I think a lot of people had after the first trial were sort of laid to rest with the second. It's like, well, they'd done it twice at this point. And, and, and after this know. point, I know Eldridge and I used to live together. We had a Michael Jackson setup in our house that we shared together. We were listening to like off the wall, especially off the wall. Yeah. And maybe thriller. We really just listened to off the wall. It seemed like everyone kind of moved on from it. Michael Jackson's people had successfully had fixed this narrative of these money hungry people or kids, money-hungry parents trying to take money from them. And with Wade coming out, Wade is like a big mover and shaker in Hollywood at this point. And so that just kind of cements, along with Macaulay Culkin's testimony, that we could all probably move on from this. Michael Jackson is not guilty. Sidebar to that, we had a conversation yesterday. I cannot remember if it was on mic or off mic about our feelings about Macaulay Culkin's testimony. I don't, I don't, I've never heard the testimony. Well, no one has. I mean, I don't, I think it was a closed, yeah, a closed case. But at the time, we were both like, ah, I just don't think he did anything with Macaulay. Yeah, I don't think so. about that now. <laughs> I still don't think he did. I'm, I still not don't think so he sure. did. I think the other kid, and I'm forgetting his name, Brett or something, based upon knowing now how Wade and James were so manipulated that they even defended this guy well into adulthood. Maybe if that bread kid was molested, that he's kind of latched in deep and loves Michael as well. I may be saying that name completely wrong. I think he covers his own bases enough not to mess with the famous kids. Do you think that maybe Macaulay, they didn't hang out long enough for him? Maybe. Macaulay's probably very busy. And his parents are wanting to like make sure this kid works and makes a lot of money. Yeah, I can't imagine they got a lot of... A lot of hang time. Get that mic in front of you. Why don't you move it? Is it not to right your in front mouth? Of you? That's fine. How about that? That looks. That's great. You All probably right. sound amazing. Right now, now I can see your beautiful face. Oh my god, we got to get through this. <laughs> Let's just get back. All Michael right. Jackson dies, and Wade. And the world is suddenly a better place. And and James's mom is like, I'm so glad he's dead. And in contrast, Wade's mom is like, she feels like she lost uh, a son. Yeah, because she still has no idea. Yeah, she just curls up with his jacket. And my and yeah and we all remember this. The world mourned, and his funeral was aired. I didn't watch it, but Wade apparently gave an incredibly touching testimony at his funeral. Was it at the funeral, or did he just release a statement? Or the big service? I can't remember. I think he just released a statement. After all of this is done, Michael's gone. Wade and James have children at this point. They both have sons. And Wade starts to collapse. I think the busy he tries to be a director. I wish they'd say what movie. He tried I was to wanting. I was wanting. You think I, it was like a step up? One of the step well, ups. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. We need to find that out. Yeah, yeah. And Wade, he starts going through. I mean, he's always been dealing with shit, but he kind of starts to go through it the way we saw James go through it, like back in the mid. Yeah, he's starting to unravel. Can't sleep. Yeah, depressed. And he's thinking about how. He's he talks about having visions of Michael doing to his son what was done to him. Oh, and, and suddenly these feelings of love turn into feelings of rage. And he starts to get more and it starts fucking him up more and more and more. These guys, even well into their adulthood, were like, We love Michael. We want to protect Michael. We 
we don't feel like he means us any harm. He helped us. Uh, we want to keep him out of prison. But now that they have kids and they see the perspective of that new job they have of trying to take care of someone they love, and now they're imagining the things done to them being done to their children, and everything starts to unravel. Yeah. Wade gets to a point where he needs to go talk to someone, and he understands that he's going to have to tell this story. And so he goes and he talks to someone. And that's probably the first time he has told that out loud ever. Yeah. This has been happening to him when he was seven years old. And that's the first time he said it out loud. Then he goes and gets his mother and his mother has to sit. And then he tells his mother and the response that his mother gives is, why would you, why would you not tell me? Why would you not tell me? Also, Wade tried to reconnect with his father, but he was so mentally gone that Wade couldn't handle the, the weird mental lapses that his father would go through. And he ended up pushing him away. And eventually his father would go back to Australia and would hang himself like the day after the oldest son went to LA to see the rest of the family. Which has got, I mean, when I heard that, I just thought that is to do that to your son, you know, like, you know, he, that he carries that with him. If I just stayed i mean how can he not and the fact that his father i mean he could have i know this sounds horrible and it's not meant to be funny but he could have waited a couple of weeks or something to do it the day not 24 hours after he leaves they talked about how this guy it was almost like nothing was there it's hard to say what was going on yeah i know i feel very sympathetic to him to everyone in that family in that scenario i mean michael just completely fucked that family yeah absolutely and despite Wade's successes, it doesn't make him immune to horrifying shit like this. And that's just how intense Michael's influence was. So Wade sa- tells his mom what happens. First time she's ever hearing it. Her response is, why didn't you, why would you never tell me that? Why would you never tell me that? And I think the response Wade was really looking for was, I'm sorry, I wasn't able to protect you in that way. And he ends up telling his mom that he has no real emotions towards her. Yeah. Because also, his mom worked hard with him to build his career, even when it seemed like Michael was fading back. So you could tell that she was probably a very hardcore Hollywood mom. Plus, you got the rest of the family, especially the oldest brother. He's been fuck you about the mom the whole time for splitting the family up. Now he hears that his own mother also didn't protect his little brother while he was getting molested by the biggest pop star on the planet. I uh, I love his brother. Yeah. I, his I, brother is just, he's like classic big brother. I, like, I would, I would love to buy this guy. Totally. Beer, yeah. I was thinking know? that the entire time. I was like, I want to, I want to hang out with this guy. Just kind of shoot the shit. And he's Australian. So he drink five. Oh, you know, he can <laughs> <laughs> all fosters, baby. Oh, well they hate that. shit. <laughs> I know. Just like we, and hate they should. Cause that beer is gross. <laughs> They're at some kind of food truck. The brothers, Wade and his older brother. I forget the older brother's name. Even though we like him, I forget his name. Yeah. And the older brother talks about how his wife had a dream that Wade told her that Michael molested him. The night before she had this dream. Yeah. And so Wade's This is brother- an hour and a half after Wade just admitted out loud for the first time yes. that this happened. And this is also in front of Wade's wife, who I don't think knew at this point either. No. And he says that, and Wade, he talks about how normally he'd make a, an off-color joke at that point, but then he, but he was, in reality, was like, yeah, it happened. And that was the first time 
everyone talked about how it was like a gut punch and how just everyone was just confused and sad. And his wife, I totally understand where she's coming with this, was worried that the systemat the systematic nature of se- childhood sexual abuse was occurring to their own kids. So rightly so, she has to clarify this right very much, which is a reasonable reaction. To Absolutely. Have. And she, I mean, and she admits that she was completely ignorant to any. Yeah, thing having to do with child abuse, but you know that's that's a motherly instinct coming out, which is absolutely totally natural. It's impossible not to think of your own children if you have children when you're hearing this kind of, of course. Thing. Wade and James, at the very least, are not that far gone, thankfully, as far as we can tell. And I mean, I believe their stories. So yeah, I have no reason to doubt. I mean, this was just all I could think the entire time was just how incredibly brave these guys are. Yeah. To do this. And James would eventually tell his wife and he talks about how he's sitting there waiting for her to finish her work. And like, he's like, hurry up. And he's getting like testy and he has to then communicate all of this to his wife. Wade goes on the, to, Oh, Matt Lauer's all over part two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this dude's like a creep in his own right. He had a, he would like have a button that would lock the office when people come in. He was known to like corner women and, be like a real groper. Real stand-up guy. Yeah, real like human dog shit, you know. <laughs> so there's Matt Lauer talking about the old accusations of the Matt Lauer interviewing Wade Robson from just a handful of years ago. I didn't I never knew this happened actually. I get, I get it happened, but it seemed like no one really gave that much attention to I it. I remember it resurfacing and I remember them saying that, you know, a guy who originally had testified on oh, Michael's behalf, was now saying that he was molested, but I never knew. I didn't really know who it was. I don't even think I knew who Wade Robson was at that mm-hmm. time because I hadn't started watching So You Think You Can Dance, which was my introduction to him. So I just know that I had heard some stuff about it. And I may have actually seen clips of that interview, but just never put the two together because I just didn't recognize him years later yeah, from yeah. that. And so James sees Wade go on the Today Show and Wade one of used to be one of Michael's biggest profile supporters is now on the today show around our times now saying, no, he actually really did sexually abuse me. James sees this and he eventually works up to be able to tell his story as he's telling it in this movie. I wonder how much interaction the two of them have had. I mean, I'm sure they have met. Yeah. Yeah. Prior to this. Yeah, I often wondered if their paths ever crossed. I wouldn't be surprised if it did when they were young. Yeah, but they, they never mentioned the other in yeah. any of the inter- any of the parts of the documentary. In yeah. Order. So yeah, it, I mean, it's highly possible that if you think about probably the the number of children that were victimized by Michael, I forget who says it. Imagine all the children that we know Michael was around, and that's a lot of children. Yeah, it is. And you could easily imagine a lot of children that maybe had inappropriate contact that we'll never hear anything about. That's scary as hell. A lot of people came out against Wade, obviously the fan base. Like, and they they point out like, you didn't know Michael. Like Wade literally knew Michael his whole fucking life. Yeah. So of course the, the keyboard warriors out there want things to be their way. Only the only evidence being that they just feel like it's this way. I like Michael Jackson. Or like attacking Wade. How can he be guilty? He's my favorite. We were talking about leaning into Prince earlier. If a story came out that a woman says, Prince peed on me while his bodyguard held a gun to me, I'm going to be totally honest. Uh, that sounds very believable. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love Prince. That, if that came out, I'd be like, well, that might be true. <laughs> and then they made pancakes. And sunk three pointers one after the But I, I, until that day comes. Prince. You're our snob. Prince. Yes. You're our shade master. <laughs> Goodbye, Michael. It's closed on Michael Jackson season. I do have Michael Jackson records <laughs> digitally. I also have like fucking a Gigi Allen album in my, so it's like, I don't know. There's plenty of dubious things in my Toward the collection. the last half hour or so, I was just, all I could think was, I don't, can I, the music, I mean, it is, this documentary series has so tainted everything for me. Just with every passing minute, I thought that I would be able to separate the artist from the art. But yeah. now I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I can. I mean, it's I don't know that I can get the same joy anymore from listening to that stuff. You know, and it hurts my heart to say that. I we I talked about this earlier. James mentions in part one that Michael says to him that James was his first sexual encounter. If that's true, that means like off the wall thriller. And it means he didn't. If that's true, it means he it, this stuff didn't really start until just after bad. Based on that timeline. If so are you true. saying that like it's okay for us to listen to? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> but, you know, I'm all... Everything pre-James is <laughs> totally fine. It's okay. If you like Dangerous, you're a piece of shit. <laughs> but Off the Wall, that shit is tight. Off the Wall and Thriller and like the good Michael Jackson songs off that album, even before, you know, this final nail in the coffin as it feels right now, I've always kind of put a lot of credit to Quincy Jones for those records. Oh, and the way shit, he produced man. them and put yeah. them together and his concepts to make Michael Jackson sound like a normal human who likes grown women. <laughs> oh yeah. And I totally forgot about him marrying Lisa Marie. I had forgotten about that yeah. too until they showed <laughs> and I was like, Oh shit. And then my mind started reeling like, is she watching this? What is her reaction to this? How much did she know? Yeah, right. I mean, everyone felt like their marriage was a sham to begin with, but she's been very deflective and very quiet since they split up about what happened in their relationship and, and the other wife who really was just a surrogate essentially for michael's three children there's no way he had sex with either either of these women no no i, I love grown ladies vaginas and <laughs> that stuff that's around the vagina what's that called <laughs> well that's pretty much it wade says that you know telling the truth now as hard as it is, it feels a lot better than lying all those years. I hope these men find some peace. And I think we're just seeing the beginning of the ramifications of this documentary. I'm wondering how convincing this will be. Because, I mean, dude, two months ago, I probably was listening to some Michael Jackson songs. You know? I mean, I was listening to some Michael Jackson songs last week. I mean, yeah. and knowing we were going to watch this documentary. <laughs> Dirty Diana. like that. I love that song. No, I can't. You can't. You can't anymore. Well, I'm putting a pillow over it for a while. and uh, Yeah, at the very least, I got to take a break. At the very least. And maybe I'll come back to it. Maybe I won't. I don't know. But And I hope that this is like, I hope this opens the floodgates. I really want his entire reputation to be utterly destroyed now. Yeah. If this is true, then you can't be a hero and this be true. Yeah. You can be talented. You can be an amazing performer, but you can't be considered a good human being. Right. And all his for the world bullshit 
what that's a bunch of bullshit and uh, a kill we don't rate documentaries in a star rating scale nor do we rate docu-series and what we watch is a docu-series we don't rate that in the star rating scale or the herzog rating scale docu-series unlike documentaries are rated in errol morris's the director errol morris hmm. you're gonna give this one through five errol morris's i'm gonna give this one through five errol morris's we're gonna mush them together for best out of 10 errol morris's a kill this actually won't be too difficult for me and i'm I tend to be verbose when we do these things. I know. Appreciate the great editing jobs you do on that, by the way. Oh, thank you. I'm always like, oh, God, thank God he <laughs> cut that out. The documentary itself, pretty standard. Um, it's your kind of run-of-the-mill. Not, well, I hate to use run-of-the-mill because it sounds like it's bad. But it's it's what you see in a documentary. It's a, a lot of interviews, um, lots and lots of footage, photos. This is honestly being graded purely on the emotional impact it had on me. That in itself, I... I'm just going to come straight out and just say I'm giving it a five. Wow. Yeah. Akil. Yeah. Wow, dude. Because, I mean, this documentary has, it has affected me. And this is beyond just the fact that it's Michael Jackson. It's not so much about him. It's about Wade and it's about James and seeing them tell their story like that. It was, I mean, that's all I got. It's just, it's, I think it's great. Yeah. The the only thing I will nitpick about okay. was there were times where the music was a little distracting. Uh, there were, there would be moments. One that stands out is when the lead up to his father committing suicide. Yeah. And the music, the music is just very, it's a little hack as far as it's really playing up the emotion of the moment unnecessarily because the emotion's all there and it came across as a little insincere Hmm. from an editing standpoint, as far as Hmm. trying to play people's emotions when it wasn't even needed because everything you needed was right there. But that's, I I honestly maybe didn't even notice. Yeah. Just, it's very minor. I just, I noticed that in two or three moments over the course of both episodes. Well, that's very interesting. I think as far as like the film style of it and I'm, as far as how emotionally resonates, I think you're pretty much dead on. I think stylistically, oh, this actually is a very well-made film. It seems kind of typical, but I think when you're telling a story like this, especially a story about someone, we got so many details about how someone with extreme amount of power is able to groom these sexual relationships with young children and how that disaffects them into adulthood. I feel like that being laid out and Wade and James's courage in telling this story because they kind of have to carry forth what Jordy and Gavin were not able to truly, they were kind of having to do what Jordy and Gavin were not really given a chance to do. They're almost doing it for. There's a bit of redemption aspect in yeah, it as well. Yeah. And especially in Wade's part, because he testified against these kids, but he was as much a victim as those past accusers. This movie lends itself to it's, it comes off very sincere to me. And it's important that it's not too different or over stylized when you're dealing with this kind of subject matter. It actually had just felt so very human Mm -hmm. all the way through. We'll be talking about another film next week that features childhood sexual abuse. Give you a preview of that. They don't pull that off as well as they do here. So I'm kind of coming off literally the last two weeks of that's rough. March are two stories about childhood sexual abuse. 
but the reactions to both of these movies are very different. And Dan Reed, I thought, did a really good job. And I thought the editing was good. Thank God there were no uh, reenactments. Oh, uh, reenactments like are always the worst. I don't care what documentary you're... T- I mean, why? Why Why do Why do people do reenactments? It takes a very special director to pull them off. But, but I've never seen anyone pull it off. You That's should, the thing. You should watch Errol Morris films. He's the master. All right. I'll check but it out. Maybe I'll make you watch one one day. <laughs> you but can't make me do anything, Bobby. I don't think I'm going to hit the perfect tone, but I'm going to get pretty damn close. I think as far as a movie of this type, this is very well crafted, very well done. The style of the movie is subtle enough that it never took away from what was important about this movie. And I'm going to give it a 4.5. Nice. So you take your five. I take my 4.5. That's 9.5 out of 10. It's the highest we've ever done. Easily. Yeah. Errol Morris's. Wow. For Leaving Neverland by Dan Reed. Now, we're having a very emotional response. I feel like it's impossible not to have an emotional response to this movie. But, I mean, you made some good points. I agree. I mean, the the subject matter for this documentary, you really, everything sort of needs to take a a back step from that. Like, that needs to be the focus. And the main thing is, it looked like he provided a very safe environment for these guys to tell their story. Um, And that comes through. So, good on him. Everyone is feeling very complicated after this movie. So, but... What is true deserves to be said, and I believe these victims. So they that, have my support. That's that for this film, Akil. Let's go back to talking about cats. All right. Fuck you, Michael Jackson. Yeah. Fuck you, Michael. Jackson. Seriously. And keep on docking. <laughs> <laughs> Put that mic closer to your mouth. Is that better? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck like, yeah. Yeah. Make love to that mic. Lick um, it. Could you, <laughs> could you lick the mic? I don't, I don't want to do that. Okay. <laughs> I understand. You crossed the line. Okay. Swept up all your napping. Each day we wake up, it's a fresh start. Every way, a chance to set a new mark. No more looking down and feeling low. Say something, I give it up. I love it so much.